Yeah. Live from the Stoop Podcast, me, Robbie Digital. What's going on with you? Hope all is well. I say that a lot because I really do hope all is well with you. Um, you know what I mean? There's a lot of things going on in the world, and I shout out everybody who listens every week. Um, we are over a thousand downloads, so thank you very much. Um, you know, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you, each and every one of you. On this week's episode, I'm talking to a pretty good friend of mine, actually. Um, you know, they say pictures tell a thousand words, but I don't think you really understand that until you speak to someone who actually does photography. Mello is one of those people. As Mello has traveled all across the United States, taking photos of different places and different spaces, for someone who started out just taking pictures of sneakers, has really changed his landscape. And changed his lens, as a matter of fact, when it's used on the world. Sit back, relax, as we learn how Mello has gone from the stoop to where he is today. You already know what it is. Robbie Digital, live from the Stoop Podcast. Let's go. Welcome to Live from the Stoop Podcast with me, Robbie Digital. Hope you're doing well. It's finally getting cold outside. I can finally wear a hoodie or a parker, depending on how you feel. For me, it's, it's definitely always hoodies and sweats. You have to keep it cozy. But uh, today, I have a very good friend with me today. Um, I've known this gentleman for quite a long time. Um, we met pretty much how I meet most of my friends in the sneaker space. But uh, you find that through sneakers, you find so much more about a person and really what they do. Uh, but without further ado, Mello, what's going on, man? I'm chilling, man. Chilling. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for the invite. Fuck the yeah, there we go. Guys. Yeah, you hear me? Yeah, you you good? Yeah, I'm good, bro. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for the invite. Uh, like you said, um, it's starting to get cold. I'm loving the fall vibes. Definitely an autumn baby. Yeah, I'm I'm a February baby by heart, but I feel like winter winter by the time February comes, it's like brick outside. So yeah. this is the, this is the weather that I think all New Yorkers love. I mean, yeah, this and spring. It's crazy because I was telling somebody the other day that we never wear winter clothes. We wear our fall fits for winter. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> a coat over it. Yeah, you just throw a coat over it. Like, New Yorkers just layer. Yeah. Like, I was explaining this one of my uh, close friends. They were like, yo, but why would you buy a coat that doesn't close? And I'm like, yo, that's that's New Yorker shit. Like, yeah. You don't understand. <laughs> it's like, but wouldn't you want it to close? Nah, it's it's cool open. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's just like, what? I was like, I mean, you just gotta, you just gotta eat up the coals so you can show off the fit. <laughs> yeah, like, it's like, so what do you do? I was like, yo, you, you get the, you get the hoodie, then you get the pea coat. You know what I mean? Yeah. You get, you get a scarf, good scarf. You just described your fit, bro. <laughs> it doesn't matter, but that's, that's the New Yorker fit though. No, that's a fact. That's a fact. You know what I mean? You get, you, or you get a good trench coat for, for the fall. Yeah. Get some good boots and that's really life. Nah, that's true. I don't think, I think by like 20, Two twenty three. You figured it out. Like, oh, it's it's not I mean, as bad as I thought it was. I can't see myself in a trench coat anymore. Like after the whole Bryson Tiller phase, the trench coats with the dad caps. <laughs> yeah, that was a dark. That was a dark time. Yeah. That was a dark time. So I'm I'm low key trying to stack back up on flannels and shit. It's just it's hard to find some good ones though. Uh, eBay, 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 eBay is is pretty much where they are. But see, because I feel like the thrift shops everybody knows now. 
Thrifting. Yeah. I, I, I never thought thrifting would be saturated, bro. Oh, it's over. Yeah. You go into L Train Vintage, it's like 70 people in there. Exactly. It, it used to be like five, maybe. Yeah. I remember uh, my friend found uh, like Yeezy ones in L Train Vintage. Like, there was things in L Train Vintage. Like Yeezy ones? Yeah. Oh, shit. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Tans? Damn. Yeah. At a good price? I think he paid like 75. 75? Yeah. <laughs> Legit check? Legit check. He he owns pairs. Oh shit, that's crazy. Restored him and everything. But uh Mellow Man, I, I guess I know I know you for shoes and photography, but let let's let's dial back. So you originally born in New York. Where in New York? I'm actually not born in New York. Really? Yeah. But you you have a New York Okay, so so where are you from? So my family is is Haitian. Um so I guess I'm um I'm I would say I'm first generation um Haitian, but I was born in Haiti, but my parents were already citizens, so they just bought me up as soon as I was born. So it, it makes no sense. I might as well have just been born in America cuz I came up here when I was months old, not even a year old yet. So Really? Yeah. That's that's interesting. You have any siblings? Yeah. Too what many. Too many siblings. Fourteen brothers, two sisters. Jesus Christ. Yeah, my dad gets gets down. It was a it was a rolling stone. Yeah. My mom, she only has um me and my two younger brothers, so And then when you moved here, did you move to New York originally? Nah, we first moved to Miami, I believe. So my social security card, like you know when you um you apply for a credit card or something and it gives you those security questions to make sure it's definitely you. It'll be like, oh, what year did you own this car? Where did you live? It'll ask me like, oh, where was your social security um, issued? So mine was issued in Miami. And do you have any memories of living in Miami? Very vivid, bro. I'm not even afraid. I can't can't remember. I remember being bullied by my older brothers. Well, that's always a fond memory. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then... So when when do you move to New York? I can't even remember, bro. But for as long as I can remember, I've been in New York. It's been like one or two times um moved out of out of New York but always came right back. So New York's pretty much been home. Understandable, understandable. What is your what was a typical weekend like when you were growing up? Uh man Growing up, I would just say sitting in front of the TV, bowl of cereal, um, watching Channel 11 on a Saturday, waiting to see all the, the cartoons. You remember those, bro? Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> uh, let me see. Pokemon, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh. Yu-Gi-Oh um, Robox was was one of those. Yeah. Uh, Cubics. Yeah. That there was uh, there was Saturdays. You Jackie see. Chan Adventures yes. was on. On Saturdays, yes. yeah, I, I feel like as a kid we had like probably we had the best of those moments. Yeah. Like I know everybody talks about their generation being the greatest, but the '90s kids like we had so much to do on a Saturday. Yeah, like you didn't really have to leave the house until like twelve o'clock. It almost, it almost felt like it. It was made to kind of. It, I don't know how to explain it, but. Now you have the accessibility to watch whatever show on whatever day. Like, 
Saturdays was our day. So we knew on weekends we had to go to school and do whatever. Mm. On Saturdays, that was ours. Our parents could not take that from us. There's none of that no more, bro. Yeah, that's a fact. Like, you looked forward to... I would get up at 7 a.m. Yes, bro. Yes. 7 a.m., bro. And, and, and would properly plan out what channels I need to switch at what time. Yes, because it was watch. also Channel 5. It was also Channel 5. <laughs> so I had to catch... Well, Channel 7, actually. So, Channel 7 had all of the Disney shows. Yeah. So, to catch Recess, Pepper Ann, Doug Power moved, Rangers. Power Rangers yeah. was on, was during the week on, on uh, Fox. So, it was it was a lot of those. Yeah. Like, somehow, they knew how to get a kid to run to the television screen. Like, after school, even. Like, Dragon Ball Z started at 5 o'clock every day. Yeah. So, you knew where you needed to be at 5 o'clock. Yeah. And you knew like the show only came on once a week, so if you missed it, it was over. Or, and it, it wasn't no YouTube, no, or any of that. So you had to hopefully catch the reruns, maybe on a Sunday, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so as well as like that, I know you also like. Did you have any extracurricular activities that you did as a kid? Man, I did it all. Um, my. My parents had put me, um, well, my dad is pretty much a, a jack of all trades. So I think I unconsciously, I, I just observed him a lot and I didn't notice it until I got older, but all of his talents just kind of synced into me, but they did put me through piano class. Um, that's how I'm skilled with the keys. Um, um, I was, um, in like drawing classes and stuff like that. But as a kid, you, you, you see those as just like, Something that's not important, but now that I'm older, I, I realize how much those skills really are valuable to me. So, definitely, I, I mean, I've seen like videos on you on Instagram, just randomly finding the piano on some John Legend shit. <laughs> so I was, I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, "This nigga plays the piano, like this man, random, yeah. but but fire at the same time." And and you're right, like as a kid, you um. You have all these extracurricular activities that your parents put you in. You're like, yo, why do I have to do this? This is so annoying. That's a fact. So I can only, especially with drawing too, like, you, you know, when you draw, you want to draw everything. But when you get into like a drawing class, they teach you disciplines yeah. and they teach you drawing styles and writing styles. Yeah. And, you know, that takes a lot of like, like I said, discipline. So that had to be interesting in and of itself. Uh, it. Uh, I would say not interesting, more of like annoying because I I can admit that maybe when I was younger I was pretty much a little of a rebel, so none of it I wanted to do. Like I, I think my best thing when I was younger, um, something that I owned um, without being like having it forced onto me was writing. Like I'm not I won't say particularly I'm good at writing now, but when I was younger. I, Bro, poetry was my shit. I used to just sit down and just write poems for days to a point where one day one of my teachers read a poem that I wrote and it was like, yo, you need to be in like advanced class. And so my parents and my parents, like I have Western Indian parents, like whenever like you get a compliment, they just kind of shrug it off. Like, uh, uh. <laughs> it's not school. Yeah. <laughs> it's not education. Exactly. Why are we? Yeah. So that's interesting. So what was, was that always like? Your relationship with school, like kind of like doing your education, but then having your extracurricular activities that really kind of just do what you want. 
Um, pretty much, yeah. Um, uh, I'm, I've been in and out of, like, different schools, so um, each school I went to was kind of a, a different experience in itself. Um, at one point, I was living in Connecticut, and I was in private school. I feel like that's where I learned the most. Um, mm-hmm. And it it was, like, an emotional time, so it, it did give me the time experience and, like, more knowledge to, like, owning to, like, things like poetry, so... That's interesting. Do you still like keep up with it now? Poetry? Nah. Uh, I think if like I meet somebody and that conversation comes up, uh, I'll be like, "Oh, I write poetry," and they'll be like, "Nah, you're lying." And I'll bust out something and be like, "Oh shit! Like this is deep." <laughs> <laughs> I felt like uh, somehow, like in that, I want to say maybe that twelve, thirteen, fourteen year old age. I don't know if like. St- Teachers purposely show you Dead Poet Society with Robin Williams, but you see that and you're like, I want to be a poet. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like, or you see like there's something that just clicks and you're like, yo, I want to write something. I it, think it's it's crazy. I don't think I ever really wanted to be a poet. I, I took, Or just write in yeah, general. Yeah, the writing part, definitely. Like, it, I, I definitely had a, a teacher like really make me really just want to write more like i don't know if she was just hyping me up or whatever (laughs) it was but like especially when she read me back my own poems it sounded so beautiful and i was like yo did i just write that like what's going on i feel like we always have that one teacher that kind of does that like you know and and those are the ones that you cherish the most like the ones that like really know how to get the best out of you yeah and see the potential in you that you don't even see in yourself that's a fact so those are those are the ones that's always very important. Shout out to the teachers. I Definitely, wish I, I wish I remember most of my teachers' names. I don't. Um, one specific teacher that I do remember her name, uh, rest in peace. She passed away because um, she had cancer. Uh, she was one of my favorite teachers. She's she was a, she was my homeroom teacher, but she was also a Spanish teacher. I don't know if you remember, like high school, yeah, high school, uh, yeah. school, and you had to have like a homeroom and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So so after so getting into like high school, you're still running around doing those things. Kind of when did you pick up a camera? Was a camera even in in the, in your thought process at that time? At that time, not even, bro. Um, if we're talking about my high school um, career life, I was I was a badass, bro. I skipped school almost every, every day. day. <laughs> uh, I used to um, I went to Bushwick, so. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk about smoking, right? Uh, not in here, but there's a okay. space. All right, so, um, so I used to skip school, uh, skip class, play the piano. Like girls loved it. They used to come to um by the auditorium and be like, "Oh my god, you're playing the piano!" Like I didn't do it for them. I just like I was drawn to the arts, and like that w- I got accepted to uh, art school. Um, but because of my parents. Being uh, not supportive and everything, I didn't get to attend the school because I think they were supposed to bring me to um, orientation, to orientation and stuff, yeah. and they didn't. Um, so I, I lived the rest of my high school life as like a rebel. I just like was saying fuck this shit. Like as a kid, you don't realize like how much of a big part it plays in the future because you, you hear. 
the the diploma and the, like you hear about the future all the time, but it doesn't hit until it actually hits until you're yeah. there. Um, so just used to cut school. I was in a gang. Um, like used to run around just doing hooligan shit. Um, trying to find yourself. Pretty much, I, I, that's how I best describe um, that type of experience to everybody. Whenever that conversation does pop up, um, when they tell when they when people ask me why did I ever join a gang and stuff like that, um, I, my response is always um, you're trying to find yourself or a, a place to belong at that mm-hmm. age. Like when you're younger, you just want to be down, like and. Like that's what gangs kind of sell to you. They um, like a family. So. Yeah, especially when you feel like everything that you want to do, you can't do, and no one really kind of understands that, and you don't even know at that age how to even express it. You just know that there's this feeling, and you can't under and can't really express it, especially to like family. Yeah, and then. On the other hand to that too, you look, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty now, you know, like you're older, yeah. you understand life, you look at your parents and you're like, you know, your parents moved here from Haiti, you know, so they're, they're looking at like, yo, you go to school, you get a good job, and you know what I mean? Because that's, that's what they came here on that, probably. Yeah. So for you to even kind of understand, like express those things and, you know, they're, you're watching that, that culture shift too, because you're becoming Americanized. Yeah. So like... All of those things are happening and they're like, yo, like, why you just can't do this? And you're like, yo, I don't want to do this. I want to do that. So I, I can understand that. Like, I remember uh, when I was going to, when I was applying to colleges, my, I told my mom I wanted to be a, um, a vocal technician. Okay. And she was like, what is that? I was like, that's the, when the producer makes the song and the songwriter writes the song, the vocal technician sings the song in the pitch that it's supposed to be And then gives it To whatever singer And then they can mimic that And she was like Yo that's not a real job Oh shit She's like You can't do that And I was like But, but this is what I want to do She's like Now nah, you're going to go to school for law Because that, that's what you That's a real job And I went to school For law and government It sucks Because <laughs> I, I, I could relate I went to school um, I have two degrees now And I went to school Because of my parents Just to Kind of Make them happy And it was probably the most miserable Part of my life Like I won't say Saying that I have a degree makes me happy I won't say uh, I would say the best part of um, My school Experience um, Was the people That I've been able to meet While I was attending school Because some of those people have become My closest friends and they're still around But everything else man like it was just draining. Like the the thought of going to school to please your parents, knowing that, like especially, bro, I feel like being a '90s baby was the worst because we were stuck in that age where um, going to school was still considered something that you need. And fast forward now, technically you don't need it. it people still go to freaking Ivy League schools, NYU. Well, the or pandemic or proved that exactly, but. <laughs> but, but that's what I'm saying like, Yeah that, Like Once the pandemic happened Time stopped And everybody realized Like All these social constructs Mean nothing Like we're all like Like The only thing that matters Is science But that's neither here nor there I understand I mean, what you mean I mean I think a little bit Before the pandemic But the pandemic sp- uh, Really put it Put it into play Where everybody's like Why do we need This piece of paper 
you during the pandemic, I I have friends that literally sat home and YouTube or Skillshare or whatever they had to do masterclass and learn all types of crazy techniques and got all these cool jobs during the pandemic. Like, yeah, pretty much. And I think that's that's for us. I think as '90s babies, we always looked at the idea like, why not dare to dream? Why why can't we do? The things that we we saw because we were inspired by the cartoons, by yeah. the the music, by the music videos, by all of those things. So for us, creativity was baked in that like we would see yo, I want to do that. Yeah, but we had our our parents bring us down, and I I, I can't blame them because um, they're prisoners of their time. Exactly. So they they don't understand the type of um like type of freaking. I don't know what they were putting on our shoulders, the weight they was putting on us. Like, yeah, like, yeah, it's it is what it is, though. What did you wind up getting your degrees in? Uh, I got my associate in um, digital media arts um, and my bachelor's in um, communication design and marketing. That's not bad, though, because, I mean, you use those now, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah, but I use it. Without even ever having to bring up the degree, so of course, it, I'm using it based off of my own skill set and talent. Absolutely, so absolutely. I feel like if I was, if life played its part and I was going to be me regardless, I didn't have to go to school. Understandable. I think I went, I went, and I enjoyed it for what it was. And for what I learned, the, the, the thing I learned from college was um, when you make a statement, how to back it up, how to find uh, information to prove your point. Yeah. Like you just couldn't have an open ended statement and be like, the sky is blue. Well, why is the sky blue? The sky is blue because the water reflects it from the sky and it makes this, like you learned how to have a thought and then complete that thought out. And that I'll give college credit for. But mostly, just connections it's yeah. connections and and learning how to walk into rooms and build relationships with little to nothing yeah and i think that's what i learned from college most i don't even think i because i went to community college i don't even think i've really met too many friends like it was just like kind of like in and out like i was there for a mission and did it and just dipped uh if i tell you i've learned anything from college i'll be lying to you bro i ain't learned shit from school <laughs> Not anything that I didn't already know. I feel like if anything, I wasted more than uh, more than the time that I needed to waste because um, I actually switched my major a couple times um, because uh, I went to City Tech, so they placed me in the wrong major. So um, I actually was attending school for entertainment technology, so I was learning all about audio engineering and um, uh, sound engineering and um, producing. I'm making beats and all that shit, and it was cool, but um, it was draining because, like, I not that it wasn't my passion. It's just like I felt like I didn't want to be there. Um, and then it was just like a whole complete start over because I had my associates already, so I mm-hmm. should have just had to do two more years to get my bachelor's. But they had me starting over from scratch. Yeah. And then one day I just woke up. And I was like, nah, let me go to the office. And I explained to them, and it was like, yo, you're in the wrong major. You have all these credits that go towards this. Like, why are you here? By then, I already did a couple, like, semesters in that. So, 
But now you have the sales skill. And I think you'll use it eventually. Yeah. So was shoes always a was always a factor for you then? Where did sneakers play a role in? Because I think that's how I met you. And I met you, a, I met a very young you too. Yeah. Uh, we met We met at your job at Apple. Yeah. And this is like 2015? I think before that, bro. Yeah. Before that. Um, but sneakers definitely has always been a factor of mine. I remember... Um, man, it's crazy because um, so much of like the OGs that I used to see on sneaker lines and stuff like that, I don't even see no more. Like, hope they're still alive. Um, um, but yeah, I remember since twenty ten or two thousand nine, I used to stand on sneaker lines. That's when it was fun, just like chasing shoes, like. Just because I didn't want to pay the resale, I would stand online, even if you had to stand online that whole day to get a, a raffle ticket. Not even raffles. It was guaranteed at that point. Yeah. Like, you weren't um, getting your size, but you were getting a shoe. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, shoes was always my thing. Um, like, and it was more fun back then because, um, obviously, brands have gotten so good at marketing and branding to the point that they know how to to market to you like by selling you a story. Before it wasn't that um, You were just buying shoes Because it was the shoe That was coming out on Saturday And you Wanted it Exactly So I, I missed that time um, When Nike was doing that Like like Now Nike has to Attach a story And a collab To a shoe for it to sell Before Our, our time Collabs weren't Selling Collabs were sitting the only people that were buying collabs is people that knew about the collab. The people that knew about the artist and the story behind that collab. Collabs were sitting. You could go into the store and nobody would buy that because it wasn't for that audience. Yeah. Now you have everybody, like, an artist will come out of nowhere and say, hey, I'm collabing with Nike. Everybody's like, oh, my God, I need that shoe. But you don't know nothing about them. Yeah. So. I remember there's plenty of HTM trainers, fragments, like, you know, those things did sit at one point in time. Exactly. And I think it, it sat because um, the fashion community and the streetwear community weren't the same audience. Yeah, now it is. Now it is. So for us, general releases were dope. And collabs were just like, all right, that's that thing. But I can't go back home and wear that. You know what I mean? Like, I can't go back uptown to my block. Like, they're not going to know what that is. So you SBs, you can kind of get away with it because it was like one of those secret languages that if you knew, you knew, but you weren't buying, you know, Tinker Hatfield, yada, yada, yadas, because no one knew what that was. Yeah, you kind of said something that kind of hit. Um, you said um, general releases on Word Dope, right? So uh, I feel like the, the, the switch kind of flipped. So uh, to us, general releases... Um, were dope, and and like, damn, I just had had the dope. General releases were dope, and collabs were kind of like stush. Now collabs are the 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 focal point and the regular oh, yeah. so, shoes. So yeah. so general releases, like you bought general releases. Like I, I I'm sorry to admit it, but like. I remember going into high school, and if I didn't have the shoes that everybody else had on, I would get my ass cut. So you bought general releases to beat down because you didn't want to feel left out. Now you buy collabs to kind of 
stand out to be like, oh, I have a shoe that not everybody else has. And mm-hmm. it's it's a weird ideology. So as you take as you're buying shoes and stuff, because I, I guess I, I I I noticed when did Instagram start playing a role into footwear for you? Uh, or just photography in general? Because I felt like you mixed the two. It became popular to take pictures of shoes. Was right. that like the first early remnants where you realized that like you wanted to do this whole taking pictures of shoe thing? Uh, so I think um I started. Getting attention for um, For wearing outfits um, I don't think my outfits were particularly good At the time Because um, <laughs> we all dressed different back But I guess people still liked them um, I was always on top of fashion I would get I would say I did go to FIT as well um, um, And then Instagram just Just kind of Just stepped in right And that's where you that's where you'd post your pictures and I would get a bunch of likes and comments and stuff. Um, and then after a while, I was just like, like, I don't care what people think about my fits. Like, I don't care about fits. Like, I get it. Um, I respect everybody that's been able to, like, get where they have gotten as um, based off of, like, how they dress and stuff. That's not what, like, I care about. Like, I don't want to be a stylist or give people advice on fashion and stuff like that. So um, I think what sparked my interest in, uh, like, taking shoe, or taking pictures of shoes or photography was um, Apple. Like, um, when I first got my, my first iPhone, like, I don't know what about it. it, it the, the fucking camera just, like, was outstanding. Like, like for... We came a long way, long way from like Nokia phones and Sidekick phones. Do you remember your camera and your Sidekick, bro? That shit was bro, ass. It was terrible, terrible. So, Those MySpace photos were horrific. So, like, I just kind of taught myself like um, composition. Um, I didn't even realize I was. I didn't even know composition was a thing. I just, I just was always like, um, I have OCD, so. Um, I don't know if it's because I'm a Virgo or what, whatever people want to say, but um, I've always like liked seeing things neat and symmetrical and everything. So I throw a grid on my phone and like I just started taking pictures of shoes. Um, I would take off my shoes and throw them in the middle of somewhere and pu- a puddle, uh, 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 a random field of gra- uh, grass field or a pile of leaves and like. People were just enjoying it. Like I would throw my shoes in a pool. People were like, "Oh my god, your shoes floating!" <laughs> I, I remember that. That was a big like when you did that. I don't think anyone else on Instagram yeah. had ever did some shit like that. After I did it, I, I noticed everybody started <laughs> doing. It. But um, that was kind of my thing, and also like dirtying my shoes because like I I used to skate, so like it, I didn't dirty my shoes on purpose as people thought. But I just didn't care if they got dirty because I mm. saw the the beauty in dirty shoes. Um, so I, that's where the photography thing kind of really picked up, but I did own a camera before that. Um, I, I have a cousin, uh, or we're not real cousins. We're uh, really close friends, like family. Yeah. Um, he's a, he has progressively moved away from photography. He does more video now. Um, but we both were like, 
like the best of both worlds. We was like men in black, uh, always just like taking pictures of events and stuff. We were always together. Um, and I was using his camera at the time. And I, I lie to you not, I didn't know any of the functions on the camera. And I was taking pictures of events and they were coming out good. They were coming out clean. Um, and I think that's where it started, but I kind of let it go and then it picked back up. So this, and this had to be like maybe 20, this is from like 2014 to 2017, 2018. Um, the story with me and my cousin taking pictures, probably even before that. Cause, um, this is when, um, was Khalifa was lit. When people were wearing Bardo 7s and Cool Grey 11s. Oh, boy. And, yeah. Um, yo, this was, like, really back. Um, like, people were wearing the Bread 11s. What year was that? This is, like, 2013. Yeah. Uh, camel shorts go with everything you want to wear. wear like, so. Camel shorts go with everything I wear. Yeah, thanks, Wiz Khalifa. <laughs> so. So before before that, I really showed interest, but like I think the difference now is that um, all these technology is way more accessible now. Um, back then, I remember all the kids that can af- that saved up uh, whatever type of amount of money they did ran away and got the Canon Rebel camera, which is the starter kit camera. Now uh, everybody has. The, the funds to get all these expensive type of cameras. Like my my first camera um, was an A seven three. That camera cost twenty two hundred. Like I would have never thought that I was gonna drop that much money on a camera. That's that's insane to real. But also too, you're you're learning, and and I think that you know when you have a passion for something, you kind of dive into, it. and I feel like that's what happened. It seems that's what happened. To you with photography, like yeah. you just start diving more and more in, and then as you, st- I, I'm watching it in real time. Like I'm as I'm following you on Instagram, I'm watching the photos become more vibrant. I'm watching even the photos if you're taking of yourself, it's changing. Yeah, like you're you're matching colors. Like you were probably the first person I saw take pictures of like cause fours, and and how you were matching it with or with the gray or with the black bear and things of that nature. But then. I think you have another revelation in your life with photography and you start taking pictures of moments. Yeah. How does that, when does that interest spark? Uh, that interest, I would say started, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't pinpoint it, but I do know um, deep in my soul, I'm a storyteller. So, um, now I consider myself a photojournalist. So, like, whenever people hit me up to shoot, like, my automatic response is not, hey, um, what's your budget? Um, Because I try to work with people. Um, My new camera costs $7,500. Like, my gear is expensive, and I am good at what I do. Um, But I still try to work with people. But the money is not the most important part. It's the storytelling so I ask them, do you have um, a concept or a mood board? Because I want to create a story. I want to tell a story. I want I want people to see this and kind of, like, feel something. You, you feel me? Um, and, like, a lot of times I think people forget that a picture can tell a thousand words or tell a story, right? 
So people would hit me up and like, oh, your pictures are fire. Let's shoot. But they just want to throw in a fit and take pictures. And mm-hmm. like, I, I, like, I didn't realize my love for photography was so deep because like, I find that insulting. Like, because it, it doesn't really feel like people are willing to create. It just feels like they just want to flex. And, like, things like that I can't even, like, I can't help them with because, it's like, how would I even be able to put that in my portfolio? So, but then I, I, I want to say, what is it, 20, 2019, 2020, or prior, even prior to that, maybe Trayvon Martin happens. Yeah. And, um... Orlando Castile happens and Eric Gardner happens. And as I'm talking to you, I see this transformation in you and thought like I saw you was like, yeah, it's not, it's not about this. It's not about that. Like you start formulating this idea of where you want your life to go. Yeah. And I think that leads you to, to Minneapolis, to Minnesota. Yep. This episode of Live from the Stoop Podcast is sponsored by the Subway Sound Network. Do you have a podcast and you're looking for a place to record? Need editing and engineering done for your show? Subway Sound Network is the best place to record uptown. Email Subway Sound Network at gmail.com and type in the title. What would you type? I don't know. I don't know what would you type. Let me see. What would you type? Ah, you would type Stoop. 50 to receive $50 off your first podcast recording. Subway Sound Network, voice of the people, voice of the streets. Now back to the show. Let's go. So, uh, it's crazy. Um, I would say I was living like a really rough life at, around that time. That was like 2019. Um, um, my uncle just passed away. Um, uh, I just went through like a severe like breakup. Um, just started working at Apple. Um, and they didn't keep me. So like, it, it's crazy because like, I needed that change. I needed that new environment. And like, when they let me go, like I was sad, but it was a wake up call. It was it was like a calling because like, as soon as, um. All the riots and stuff happened, like, with George Floyd and stuff. Like, I didn't need to have a conversation with anybody. Uh, I didn't need to reach out to my mentor or my mother and father. I I was just pretty much like, I'm going to book a ticket and I'm going to go to Minneapolis. And I'm going to follow the story and showcase it myself. And I, I don't know if, like... Some kind of like spirit jumped in my body and did that because that fucking sounds spontaneous as fuck. But it just happened. I I didn't put too much thought into it. I just knew like I had I had um, I had like a place in this in this movement in this story, and it wasn't to be in New York and doing nothing. I just I needed to find out. Like, what was I supposed to do with my skills? Um, I just went to Minneapolis. When you land, what's the first, what's the feeling? Um, 
fair. Um, fair. Um, I wasn't happy. Uh, it was a dark time. Um, things were chaotic, man. Um, I got out there. Obviously, you don't see the the mess and the and the chaos from the airport um, to the hotel. But um, as soon as I situated, um, I took a Uber and hit up whatever spot. Well, was it? I I, I can't remember exactly the names of um, the areas, but um, I met some people out there and I asked them like, "Where's everything going now?" And um, and they pretty much uh, told me there was a precinct that um, they burnt down. Um, because everybody was just like, like furious and, and and upset. So I went, I went there, and it was a zoo. Like, like I, I honestly didn't expect it. I, I thought by the time I landed, obviously things already started. So I thought by the time I landed, things would have just kind of been like more chilled out. The police would have had some kind of control control over, over things, and 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 I would have just been like. Taking photographs and videos. Of like aftermath. Exactly. So I got there, bro. There are fuel tanks exploding, being set on fire. People, cars being set on fire. People getting beat up right in front of me. Um, it was a zoo. Like I, I felt the, the 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 anger and the the, the fury of, of of the minorities and the black people. Like like it was it was just a lot, man. Um, it was emotional. Um, definitely. Um, it, it it definitely felt like I was in a movie or Call of Duty at that. Like it was, it was a point where all the cops came, and it wasn't just it wasn't just like when you see blue and whites. They were geared up, like had all this armor and weapons, and just started shooting at crowds. Like I, it's crazy because. When you when you see that happening, like your initial thought is not, "Yo, are these rubber bullets? Are these fake bullets?" You think they're real, are real yeah, bullets. Yeah, you think they're real bullets. So the the chaos that happened from that, seeing people being trampled on and running away and fear and all that, is it, just crazy. And fuck if they're rubber bullets. Them shit's still fucking hurt. There are people losing their eyes from rubber bullets. I actually got hit with one and my leg was super swollen and everything. It was... was And this is in the middle... And this, mind you, this is in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. COVID is still very much a thing at this time. But you could see people had so much more... It was bigger than than that. It was a, it was a statement that needed to be made. Yeah. So the first day you you go back to the hotel, and I know you're just trying to process everything that you saw. Yeah. Uh. I I, I still honestly don't think I fully processed it. Like it was a lot, man. Um. Like when I think about it, I'm just like, how did I even escape that alive? Like. We got chased down by cops, I, like, and it, it didn't feel like they were just gonna handcuff and arrest us. It felt like they were gonna murder us. Like, it felt like they were sh- aiming and shooting to kill. Um, they were tear gassing us. Like, it, it was just a lot, man. Um, um, 
whether I looked left or right, everything was on fire. Buildings were on fire. They they burnt down a whole brand. Um, was it Wells Fargo or Bank of Bank, America? I remember you putting that in your Insta story. Oh. Yeah, um, it was a revolution, man. Um, I, and you could see the pe- the pain in people's eyes. Yeah, definitely. Like you knew it was more than just you know George Floyd dying. It was it was a cry from the people who had been silenced for so long. Yeah, and to have that moment to really express themselves. I mean, honestly. Like I I I I asked this question: Would it have been any different uh, if the pandemic wasn't going on, or because obviously we've seen other Black lives being taken right before our eyes, uh, if not in the same way worse? So I want to know what made this one so ideal to spark up like a, a not even just a country or a nation the world because Europe was protesting and going crazy as well everywhere started kind of uproaring and stuff so I, I really want to know like why specifically this obviously any life taken especially a black life taken is is bad but I I I really want to know, like, we we definitely needed it. Um, I hate the fact that it happened, and now I, I it seems like we're kind of forgetting about it. Do you, do you feel like that? I feel like um, society has um, subsided in it. Like they're just like, okay, that happened, and um, we stood tall and we took knees and. All of that and yeah, solidarity. I don't know if. Um, but what did we gain? Uh, I don't know if we gained anything from it. Um, would you blame technology? I don't blame technology because, excuse me, technology um, allowed us to see it in real time. You know, I remember going into Snapchat and using like the Bitmoji and going. In Minnesota and like seeing it Yeah And going through people's snap And seeing it in real time And seeing the Wells Fargo Bank on fire And, and seeing the police station on fire And seeing, you know, black babies and, and mothers crying out Like this could have been my child Like this, it was it was more than that I feel like sometimes when we see things on video And stuff like that It doesn't do justice yeah, you're right. Like it doesn't. Like like when I look at Insta story from from your lens, it felt like I was with you seeing it in real time. Like I was right next to you. It's not like the occasional like yo, you take a picture on Insta story and you just see like a view or background as you're watching it. I'm watching you watching it. Yeah. And it's a different level of emotion there. You know what I mean? Like it's not it's not the same. Because like when you watch it from TV, you kind of hear it, you see it, and you're like, damn, that's crazy. But to be there, yeah, 
and watch it is different. It's a different level of emotion. It's a different level of feeling. And I remember speaking to you and hitting you like, yo, like, are you okay? Like, and you're like, yo, it's, it's kind of crazy. But you were like, yo, I need to do this. Yeah. I don't. And I felt like that will be the question that we will always have to answer to our kids. Like, where were you when this happened? Like what, like even when, you know, we've seen monumental moments with Ferguson and, and things of that nature, but this was very, very much different. And I think it's because the world was already sitting down. Yeah. Because we were already like in the house. It was like, how did this happen during this time? Yeah. Cause uh, it, 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 you, you, you hit the nail on the, on the table. Cause when you think about it, we were supposed to be in fear for our lives, but it's crazy how that one situation pretty much made everybody say, fuck the fear, fuck COVID. We don't care if we catch um, COVID-19 and may or may not die. Um, the world's going to hear our voice. And that's pretty much what happened. How long were you there? Uh, I think about three days. Um, so I, I got to see some beautiful moments as well. But beautiful moments still turned to dark. Um, so um, in the day, you, the community gets together and they kind of sweep up and fix everything. It, it, it reminded me of when I was on um, vacation in Bali. Um, the waters over there are so, so bad. So what happens is like the islanders and the tourists, um, when... When day turns into night, all the pollution kind of sweeps up onto the, the shores. And then the morning, everybody gets together. They don't care if they're friends, family or not. Everybody cleans up. It's nobody's job. Everybody just does it, right? So um, in Minneapolis, everybody got together. I have a lot of pictures from it. I have so much footage that I still haven't even gone through it. I'm actually working on a documentary um, that I have not yet finished. Um so everybody was kind of just getting together, cleaning up, um, buying food, giving away food. Um, it, it was it was beautiful, um, like enough to make a, grand, a grown man cry, right? Um, but when the sun went down, it just it was it happened all over again, all over again. The fires. The, the breaking the the riots it was it at that point it was just like well what the hell is going even going on like what are we really fighting and, for at this and point? then it, I think that was day two of me being there as soon as that as soon as day two happened New York um started the protests so I was like what the fuck like I didn't even expect that Patty wagons was being burnt out here um so now you you're like I gotta go home yeah, pretty much. Because I think I was planning on staying in Minneapolis even longer, but I, I, I was just like, I have to come home now. So now you come home, and now New York looks different. You're seeing, you know, how New York is handling things, and New York's relationship with the police department has always been very, uh, always strenuous. Yeah. <laughs> um. 
and and our our mayors and governors didn't make it any better. Um, especially our mayor at the time. Can't wait till we get rid of him. I don't I don't like the new mayor that's probably going to become mayor, but it is, is it. It's probably going to be Andy King. Okay. I don't really like him, but who else was running? Andrew Yang, right? Andrew Yang was running. Um, Maya something was running. I really okay. wanted her to win. Um, but you come home. And now there's protests, there's protest in your own backyard. So now you're like, I have to cover this. How does that feeling feel different than Minneapolis, than Minnesota? It just, I think, and being in Minnesota, I got to feel for the the people. Um, it it. It was a different type of nostalgia or emotion. Um, I can't remember if I cried, but I definitely did want to cry out there, man. And it was definitely a zoo. I didn't get hit with no rubber bullets out here, but out there, it was different. Like, like it was it was a certain time um, where I don't know if you remember, but um, I guess they declared um, not martial law, but um, whatever it was, um, pretty much at, at a certain time, you got to be inside. If you're not, they were just pretty much Trump said, shoot to kill. Yeah, I remember in New York, it was like you had, there was an eight o'clock curfew. But in Minneapolis, it was worse. So like after it hit a certain time, it was a war zone out there. It wasn't even because of the rioters. Police was just like going through neighborhoods, just swallowing. So like it was... I I don't even think I can compare. Um, Out here was definitely, um, it definitely hit because it's home, right? Like, I didn't expect this to happen in New York. Um, Do you feel like the the protest in New York was, we have to protect what's going on outside of New York, and that's why we're protesting? Because I felt like that's what it was. Like, New Yorkers kind of, have this weight of the country on us. I mean, that like, wasn't on you place protesting. Yeah, but it, but we weren't because LA was as well. Philly, Philly, Philly got nasty. Philly got really got dangerous. I felt like in New York, though, it seemed like because of what we represent to the world or to the nation for Matt, for that matter, as we watched it happen in like City Hall and in 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 Wall Street, it was like this different sense of like it felt like the Batman movie. Like yeah. we was like like enough is enough. Yeah, live from the stoop podcast with me, Robbie Digital. What what is live from the stoop, Rob? Live from the stoop is just a conversation I have with people with different from different walks of life. Yeah. Live from the Stoop podcast with me, Robbie Digital. Well, what, what is Live from the Stoop? Live from the Stoop is just a conversation that I have with people from different walks of life about how they got from the Stoop to where they are today. From art, music, design, culinary, you name it, you'll, you'll find it here. So uh, sit back, relax, and if you do like, make sure you rate, review, and comment. And most importantly, subscribe. Now let's get back to the show. Let's go. We need like although New Yorkers 
were upset about George Floyd. I think we were upset about the institution in which we lived in. Yeah, definitely. And the the most shittiest part is that I I thought like after the whole protesting and riots and even COVID that something different would have evolved. Like nothing, nothing. Like we've been given Biden. He's been proven to be a joke. Um, um, freaking housing has shot right back up, if not higher. Um, it, it's it's just it's like where is the humanity in the world? Where's the humanity in New York? So I feel like the noise that we were able to uprise and bring and and. Like it should, something should have been given, right? Like some kind of resolve. But we're back here at square one. You spent some time in New York, man. New York was wild as, itself. I remember we we got New York, Minneapolis was crazy because New York buildings weren't on fire. Like I felt yeah. like I was in hell in Minneapolis. Yeah. Like I, I, when people ask me about that experience, I can't. Say it like it was fun. It was an experience, but it wasn't fun. It it was it wasn't work. But I just needed to. I needed to be there. Like it, it, I sometimes think to myself, "Am I crazy that I put myself through that? Because I could have died." Um, we were hiding under a truck from police. Um, but New York, and I this got, was your camera and everything. Yeah. So in New York, um, um, the police out here were, were walling on bikes. Uh, Minneapolis, they had tanks and all this shit. Um, the police in New York, they would pull up on you on a bike and just start fucking you up. New York police, I don't know what's up with them. Like, I don't know why they're still a system, why they haven't been, like, I don't know, man, reformed or something. Um, it, that's at that point where my lens broke and um, I put... Somebody pitched the idea to me that I should put up a GoFundMe and people donated, which like I I was so happy for. Um, they donated and it helped me um, basically replace the lens. That was a twenty five hundred dollar lens, and people donated up to like three thousand and change. But police were chasing us, fucking us up, and my lens, like from running from police, hit like the turnstile. Yeah, like I seen police pick up a photographer and slam him on the floor and his camera went flying and everything. It was just crazy, bro. You then get on a flight and go to Houston. Yeah. And what were you in Houston for? Um, I think that was just... So, like I told you, I'm, I'm a storyteller and I think I was kind of a bit at the point of like, if everybody knows we shouldn't believe or listen to the news, why do we still do it, right? And I, in no way was I trying to be a, a news reporter or anything, but I needed to finish the story. Um, and not that it was a final piece or anything, but this should have been the final moment. Um, and this is the funeral for George. Yeah. So George Floyd um, being laid to rest. So um, out there was definitely different from everything. Uh, it, there were protests, but there were peaceful protests. Um, 
people are just marching and solidarity. Um, um, just good vibes. Um, then the funeral happened. I got to document that and see it is definitely emotional. Um, yeah. Did you get to speak to any of the family members or anything like that? I didn't. Um, cause Which can be, I mean, you wanted them to have that time to grieve, I'm sure, as well. Yeah. Um, they definitely wanted it to be um, super um, private. Um, who who can blame them? That situation kind of definitely hit the world. So uh, they already were on like the face of everything. So they needed their 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 private and their space, right? So I definitely got to meet some amazing people. Um, I met um, this famous photographer Eli Reed. Uh, he took me under his wing um, and started mentoring me um, and kind of giving me some advice and feedback when it came to like photography and um like being a photojournalist. I got to meet a couple other photojournalists that work for um Washington Post and and all these other publications. Um so it I feel like I definitely needed the Houston trip. Um like I wasn't out here chasing like um a war zone. Um so I didn't want people thinking that I went to Houston to see another Minneapolis, like, just, like on some like like an ambulance runner. Yeah, it wasn't that. Right. It it was to like I feel like I I started this journey and I just needed to finish what I started. Like it, I was just full of like the emotion and. I feel like at that point I was a product of my environment. So being in in Minneapolis, I became furious. I I started to fucking hate the police. We already I already hate the fucking police. But being there I hated them more. I came back to New York with that hate. Yeah. Um, uh so I definitely needed to go to Houston and just kind of get rid of that hate and kind of come to terms with what's going on and so I think Houston kind and I could see and again, through through your lens, right? Like, I could see the photos were different. Yeah. You you kind of let you could see the release of that weight on your shoulders. Yeah. In the photos, you could see that like you found joy, you found somber, you found a stillness to kind of like finally. Breathe, you know what I mean, and I, I feel like every everybody from the photos that I saw that you took, everybody finally had that moment to breathe. Yeah, that, just was, a bit. that relief because I know I did scare a lot of people in Minneapolis. My phone was blowing up like crazy. People was trying to make sure I was okay. Um, I know some people because <laughs> I did go live for a second. And people were like, "Yo, um, stop over exaggerating. It's just rubber bullets." But it wasn't just rubber bullets, man. It was. It was a war zone. Uh, like, if you were if you were to be there yourself, like people were scared of for their lives, bro. Like looking left and right, all I'm seeing is fire and smoke, tear gas, rubber bullets. Them shits hurt like crazy. Seeing people have to pour milk on their face so they can like like get some kind of relief from the tear gas. Like, bro, 
and you look, it's it's October, and um, yeah, it seems like the world just is like, yeah, yeah, just Man, bro. The whole pandemic, um, I feel like the cops kind of just. I don't know if it was the guilt or word from the mayor. Okay, we've kind of fucked up. Now we just kind of like need to lay low and let people do whatever. Because remember the uproars and fucking gang violence and shootings and everything. People were dying left or right, bro. Um, yeah. Um, now, like, if you go out, police are everywhere. Like, yeah. And they could have done that since the jump. It seems like they kind of let people just go wild and shoot each other to make us feel like we needed them. It was, I, I remember that. Like, the cops were definitely like, well, if you don't need us, then we won't be there. Yeah. Because, um, you know, like, they were throwing parties on 135th Street. Nobody was doing anything. Nobody was doing it. Everybody was... It was kind of... In- it was weird. We like, went through the worst freaking... Summer. The summer um, was... Uh, uh, fire Fireworks, bro. This was the worst. <laughs> the worst. And you didn't hear any this summer. Yeah. Bare, little to none. Yeah, because the cops are back. last year, every day, fireworks. So, I, I, I agree. But getting back... To um, the story, you you come home from Houston. How's how's your mental then, after everything kind of subsided? I'm not gonna lie. Um, it I felt like I got resolved. I feel like like rest in peace, George Floyd. Um, it sucks that that situation had to happen. Um, but coming back from Houston and being able to be at his funeral and everything, I came back to a new version of myself. I felt like I found myself. I knew what I wanted to do, who I wanted to be. Um, like I found my calling. Um, so when I got back to New York. Rest assured, every day I got up and I did what I had to do to, I guess, make sure I'm covering the story. I won't say supporting the whole movements because everybody knows there's like been some some shady stuff with with like. Donations not really going to the right causes and yeah, like who actually is behind the whole. Yeah. So like I don't want to bring it up, but like, I can't really say I'm a full supporter. I definitely needed to do my part um, in capturing the story, and I definitely did find myself. But then I lost myself again. Um, um, me. And uh, a dope artist um, named Andrew, um, he used to work at Nike as well. Um, we collabed, and we kind of, uh, he illustrated the photographs that I took and got them printed on shirts, and we pretty much sold the shirts and donated everything to nonprofits um, that supported um, Black Lives um, Matter and uh, Travis Scott and his manager reached out because they wanted to use one of the pictures because um, this girl was wearing a Cactus Jack um, ski mask. 
And I kindly declined because it just wasn't um, the time, bro. It just, just didn't feel like I'm 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 a super authentic person, bro. It just didn't feel like the time. I didn't I I didn't feel like I love Travis Scott, bro. Like I just felt like I would I was stepping on my own morals. So um, this girl, she she faked a email. On my behalf and send it to them. And then she just got super upset and angry because I didn't want them to use the image. But it was more so like like all this is going on. Like I I don't think I heard Travis Scott one time spoke about what was going on. Yeah. And you guys want to use a picture for promotion, bro? Like, come on. So that girl, she got upset because me and the artist collabed donated the shirts apparently she wanted to be a part of it but um if you look up the laws um i think in most of the states i can't say all 50 states um uh especially when it comes to photography if you take a picture in a public vicinity especially a protest bro and people weren't masked um i own all rights to um absolutely because you have the yeah she was basically um defending it by saying she owned likeness to the to the images, so she got a lawyer involved. She tried to sue me. Uh, I it definitely got my partner, um, um, the person I collabed with, um, Andrew. Um, it got him antsy. I I, I feel bad because I I feel like he's never really in that type of drama and stuff. Um, uh, he definitely was like, "Yo, let's just take the stuff down. I don't want this type of problem or drama." Um, she created a whole whirlwind of a mess for no reason, bro. And, and it kind of made you feel like at that moment I don't it hurt. Know, I don't know if anybody realized, but I just stopped posting. I was on like a continuous, um, the consistency of like me like telling that story of what was going on, um, came to a sudden halt. I stopped. Post, I remember. I stopped posting. I stopped. I feel like I stopped attending because I started realizing like. Some of the people that were out there for pro, um, protesting, they weren't out there to actually um, fight for what matters, but were out there for clout. Yeah. So it, it I'm a, I, I, I can definitely um, say I'm built off of emotion. So uh, I can't say it's a good thing. I can't say it's a bad thing. But it definitely did. Um, um, it did affect me. It did. It did hurt a lot. Um, that young, that young woman. She was also. Um, of Haitian descent, so it hurt a lot. I remember telling my mother the story, like this girl did that, and she's like our people, and yeah. I I can only imagine how um, that moment could affect you mentally, emotionally, because you know the cause is so much bigger than that, bro. I felt like I just found out what I really wanted to do, and like. I was doing it and like I'm doing it for the people like like I'm out here making a change make doing something good you feel me like uh, and like yeah the devil works hard and there's roadblocks but like it didn't feel like that it just felt like really like why uh um she 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 actually reached out 4 or 5 months later probably and apologized and was like, um, 
Um, I apologize. She she wrote me from a fake page because I had a blog. Uh, I apologize. Uh, I think we both let the best get to us and et cetera, this, that, and third. And I just never replied because it was like, I definitely didn't do anything to you. I took a picture at a protest. That was about it. I was doing my job. Um, uh, and the amount of lies she made up, bro, it was crazy. She had her followers writing me, harassing me. I remember that did you was you were very and I and and it's hard to stay on the path you know when you have when you feel like you have these obstacles and and this especially when it's like yo don't you see what else is going on this is so much more bigger than you and that hurt that hurt even more cuz I was like now I have to stop and pause everything and basically defend myself and post about this girl on my story. And that's definitely not what I, I was trying to do. That's, that's not what I wanted to do or was trying to do. And that's what it initially be, became. Like, she got her exposure from me. And now, look, fat night and everything subsides. And closing 2020 into 2021... How does photography feel for you now? Like as you're going throughout this year, because I see you getting back in it now, slowly. Um, I think your friends have definitely helped you out more now. I feel like you're slowly picking up the cameras. Oh, and you probably have been taking photos now, but I see you posting a little bit more now. I feel like I'm at. Uh, I've been working with a lot of brands. Um. um I've been luckily, I've been lucky to, um, thanks to certain people in my 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 circle and, and, and behind me in my corners and stuff. Um, so I, a lot of a lot of things that I do photograph, I don't post. Um, I need to update my portfolio and stuff. Um, but I would say I am in kind of some kind uh, disarray, uh, confused. Um, um, Film kind of took over, and it sucks because I have an expensive camera. And you're telling me that my expensive camera came and compete with film now. Um, um, then TikTok took over, so now like for your photography to stand out or even be considered something, it, there's three factors that play. Right, is you have to be down with the film crew, or if you you got to you have to incorporate your your photos into video because you got to do TikToks or real, or you just gotta. You got to be a clout master. Um, so like, it sucks because like um, I, I I'm not a cocky person, but I will I will stand on your work exactly. I I'm a damn good photographer and I I post art. Um, um, I I stopped caring about like trends and stuff like that. I I still take pictures of shoes, but it's not as much as I used to. If you know, yes. Um, so now I'm like really trying to incorporate and capture like the essence of beauty and art, uh, certain features, story, like, 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 I, I care about the vision, but, like, I noticed a lot of people are blowing up or standing out because they're taking pictures of a celebrity. And I'm like, that doesn't mean you're good. It just means you're in, like, the right circle. Yeah. And, like, I, I don't... Think, but I think there's different... I think with... um. With photography, it's uh, 
there's different places. The beautiful thing about photography is there's a wide array of different different forms. I think you have found what you want your lens to be used for. Yeah. I think, you know, there's some people who take pictures of celebrities. There's some people that take pictures of product. There's people who take pictures of concerts. I think you have found a calling in capturing the emotion of people. And um, I think that you're still well, well, well on to that journey. I think for the most part, unfortunately, you found that passion through pain. Yeah. I think that you captured a lot of moments of pain. And I think now, as things aside, now you have to find out how to capture pictures of joy. I think that's really where the next direction of your photography is probably going to go. Because you don't want to be the person that only captures natural disasters and yeah. things like that. That shit's emotionally draining. Yeah. Like to, de- to to take those pictures, develop them, and then post them, and then put them to do like a gallery. That's a lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? To, to, to live with. So I think it's just a balance. I think life is always a balance. Um, and even... Through your story today, like you can see that there's a balance for you where, you know, you found your calling and, and you're well on your way to doing that. I think, you know, you see that, of course. Yeah. Um, What do you have planned for the future now, man? Like, with, I, I see you out with your friends. All your friends are, like, gorgeous. So that's, <laughs> like, a thing now. I feel like you can't post any pictures of your friends at all without getting 100 mentions. Like, who's that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm continuously always having a pretty much um, kind of uh, I don't know how to word this or phrase this, but like kind of put like tell people. I, I think people um, project their shallowness onto me. So like I, I have a bunch of attractive friends, but I don't choose attractive friends. Like I don't <laughs> you choose your friends to be your friends. Exactly. So like I don't hang out with people because they're attractive and like because I'm hanging out with attractive friends doesn't mean I'm fucking with them. Yeah. So like I, I And you don't even take much pictures of them either. Like you just be hanging out with them. Exactly. So um I always get the the hit ups that like, yo, who's this? Uh what's up with the bitches or whatever? And I always have to be like, yo, don't call my friends bitches or like, yo. That's my friends. It's just my homegirl. It's not what you think. Like, like people, if you if people see you with a girl, they're going to automatically assume like you're fucking the girl or whatever. Yeah. And I'm always having to be like, yo, they're just my homies. Like, chill. Like, like, uh, and it, uh, I, it sucks, but like it kind of, like, it makes me feel and question myself like, Am I that shallow? Am I shallow? <laughs> am like, I shallow? <laughs> like, am I only picking pretty friends? Exactly. Because, <laughs> like, 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 I I swear, I don't... I don't do it on purpose. Exactly. Like, I find my friends how I find them, just like anybody mm-hmm. else would. Like, And another thing I try to tell people is, like, uh, even in relationships of mine, I tell them, like, yo, uh, the way that you can tell that these people are my friends is that... If I was in any way entertaining these people, I would, unless I'm a pimp, there would be no way for me to have these people hanging out together. <laughs> so, like, so it shows that. That they're genuinely exactly, my friends. Like, so when you're not giving off that type of energy, like, like people are more comfortable to be around you and stuff like that. 
I agree. I agree. Yo, Melo, thank you for stopping by, bro. Yeah, no problem, bro. Um, thank you for having me. Of course, man. I'm I'm proud of your journey. I'm proud of your growth. I'm proud of who you're becoming. I love the fact that you always are authentically you and that you have a keen sense of awareness. Appreciate that, man. In yourself. I think that um, sometimes people get so wrapped up in who they think they are to who they actually are and I think that you um you appreciate every emotion that you have and how to how to express that and how to turn that into passion man. I appreciate that man. Sounds amazing. <laughs> I'm uh, proud of you too, bro. Oh uh, man. You've come a long way, bro. Oh man, don't 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 gas me up, man. I'm just I'm just telling stories on hey, here, man. It, it, it it's beautiful to sit down and have these conversations. Uh it shows that we can like Sit and converse about other shit than just shoes. Because yeah. I know most of the time, like um, when we bump into each other, our conversations are about like maybe shoes, photography, and stuff. Yeah. Um. This felt like a more heart, heartfelt, deeper conversation. That's what that's what Live from the Stoop is about, man. Just telling people stories, man. That's all. Tell the people where they can find you, man. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at New Slave. Uh. Twitter, new slave, uh, two E's underscore. Uh, that's it. Yo.